Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to Everyone Talks to Liz. I hope this podcast is doing one important thing encouraging you to think of ways to reach out and grab your wildest dreams. You guys know me. I am a firm believer that there are stunning stories of success all around us. You just have to pay attention and look for them. So that's what I do. I'm always looking for the mid-March height of the New York, New Jersey pandemic lockdowns. I was working 17 hours a day at home, no time to make dinner. I went to Jersey Mike's Sandwich Shop in Fort Lee, New Jersey. It was really late. I think almost like 9 p.m. Every restaurant had either shut down for the foreseeable future because of the strict no indoor dining orders or had severely cut their hours. I was like, don't, don't close, don't close. I ran in. I started talking to the manager and he said, you know what? We've never been busier. He also said that he felt like so many local families were depending on this little store for dinner, and it made him feel really special. So thinking about my next podcast guest, it felt like there there had to be a good backstory to Jersey Mike's. Good? Try this. A 14-year-old boy working at a sub shop in his New Jersey town, and at 17 years old, he buys the shop then turns it into a franchise. And today there are more than 2,000 locations across the United States, Canada, and Australia. So I said, we got to track him down. We welcome that once 14-year-old boy, Jersey Bikes Franchise System CEO, Peter Cancrow, to Everyone Talks to Liz. What a story, Peter. (laughs) Thank you, Liz. And I heard you did come into the shop and right away I said, well, what sub did you order? And did they take care of you? I was, you know, I always (laughs) want to make sure everyone is good. And you better tell me if it's not, because we always try and make it uh, good every time. That's our goal. Oh, the Fort Lee team, you know, they were teenagers. And the the manager, I got to tell you, didn't look that much older than 20-something, the night manager. And he was so professional. And I thought, I got to over-tip everybody. It was a really special moment for me. But, Peter, you are the living American dream, but I want to take our listeners back to the 1970s when Mm. you were 14. And how did you get the job at this little single standing sub shop? Yeah. So the original store started by Mike in 1956. So there was a Mike (laughs) and incredible volume in the summer. We had all of the, we're an hour South of Manhattan. So we had all the New Yorkers and North Jerseyites, if you will, coming down to the small beach towns on the Jersey Shore. So you either went to the Hamptons for the big hedges out there, or you came down to the Jersey Shore, maybe a little bit more family oriented. Nothing against Long Island, but, you know, the Jersey and Long Island uh, confrontation, if you will. Of course. So, So I started at 14. My brother, John, had worked there the summer before and told the boss, say, look at, you know, my brother you know, I'm not sure how bright he is, but I know he'll work hard. So, brothers <laughs> are. But that's kind of how the place was. Entire families work there. You know, all the Brodeurs, all the Manzos, all the Mangificos. So it was kind of a community spot 
where everybody worked. That was one of the jobs that was prestigious to be. You know, that, the lobster shanty, Hoffman's ice cream. So I got the job at 14 and worked summers and part-time through the winters. And then the owner, you know, put it up for sale. And the story, you know, I never thought for a second to really that I would look at buying that store ever. And then that one night, you know, my mother said, oh, I heard the store is for sale. Why don't you buy it? And I said, well, you know, sort of laughed and went upstairs. But it was that flight of stairs where the light switch went off. And there you go. Got up and tried to raise the capital. Well, hold on a minute. Your mom turns to a 17-year-old and says, why don't you buy it? I'm assuming, did she offer you the money? No, no, mom, you know, they came from lower middle class. Dad was an auto mechanic. We didn't have the money. But, you know, times back then, everybody was sort of graduating high school, younger. The drinking age was 18. You know, things were happening with younger people, probably, again, a lot more than they are now because it just it was just the way it was. How did you get the money? So went went out for a week kind of knocking on doors and found out very fast that it's difficult to raise capital. People believed in me and heard the story, but, you know, couldn't help me. And then finally, at the end of the week, the owner said, look it, you know, I've got about a week that I can give you. I had two other people demanding contract. And I knocked on his door. I called him up. He said, come over. It was a Sunday night after nine o'clock. And he said, you know, I think we can do something. And he did. So we closed, what, the end of March, my senior year in high school, and I uh, was 17 and off I went. So I, I went to homeroom history class and skipped gym and uh, a few other courses, and, but finally graduated. I was president of my class and uh, was managed to graduate. So a real underachiever here. Let, let me just get this straight for our listeners. Your youth football coach got yeah. you the money. Rod Smith. How much money? So back then, 1975, it was $125,000, so maybe Whoa. about 700000 today, something like that. He trusted a 17-year-old kid? Yeah, yeah. And that's what we sort of shrug our shoulders and laugh about today. Mm-hmm. You know, how did that happen, you know? Well, you made it happen. Obviously, he saw something in you, but yeah. you're 17. Didn't you have other plans? Did you plan to go to college? What? What had been your hopes and dreams up until that point? So I was going to go study law and political science, looking at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I had a football coach, high school, that had the film sent down. I was going to be a walk-on to North Carolina. I was a running back and defensive back as well. So probably would have played D-back in Division I. But thank God I can still walk around today, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's no joke. We've talked to a lot of former NFL players and they're hurting. They're physically yeah. hurting and many of them have gone into business, but they face physical challenges. You face different kinds of challenges. So you're 17, you're now in charge, you're the boss, yet you had no formal business experience. What right. were the first couple of years like? Right. So but working in the summers and working in the business I had that background and had a great boss that I bought from Victor Merlo and was a great mentor and person to follow. So really wasn't me and my thing. It was just me carrying it forward. But what you learned real fast, like the first was, gosh, you hadn't raised the prices in maybe seven years. And all of a sudden I'm saying, what's going on? And mm-hmm. I realized, well, I had to raise the prices. And, you know, you look at the payroll and a quarterly uh, unemployment and disability insurance and all kinds of things in business that really had no knowledge of your learning fast and everything worked out. We had the volume, slow winters. Um, and then finally, 
you know, people taking the subs, wrap the travel around the country, London, every third Thursday, the guy used to come in and take the subs back to London and down. <laughs> they do, they, they, no one had the product like ours around the country back then. Well, I always talk yeah. to people like you and I say, it's one thing to have the first store. We had the founder of Auntie Anne's Pretzels on. It's the Great second lady. one. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the mm -hmm. second store. When did you realize I could expand this thing? Mm. Yeah, so we opened up um, the store right before we started franchising in 1986. And the store first was the first couple of days kind of slow. And I was like, uh-oh. But then it really took off. And it was doing more than the first store, maybe two and a half miles away. And I said, wow, I think we've got something. We started franchising after that in the beginning of 87. When did Mike's become Jersey Mike's? That was the time we said Mike's is too generic. It was Mike's this, Mike's that, but Jersey Mike's, the sub sandwich is kind of a way of life for New Jersey food, like Kentucky Fried Chicken, the Idaho Potato, Tex-Mex. Well, the submarine sandwich, if you look at it, every 7-Eleven, Quick Check, Wawa, Pizza Place, all sell subs. And uh, so Jersey Mike Subs was a name that really resonated across the country. Franchising, that, that seems to be a, a big bite to chew. What made you think at the point when you don't have an MBA, you don't know all about uh, flow charts and all kinds of things like that. You know what? We should turn this into a franchising model. What right. tickled your brain about that? So that's where, again, people were taking the subs, wrap the travel. They wanted to open. They wanted me to show them how to open. And uh, we decided, you know, enough talking to people and some different attorneys that, you know, we would franchise. So we got the contracts together and off we went. And we never tried to sell the franchise. It just sort of took off in 87, 88, 89, you know, really kind of grew Ocean of Monmouth County. And then we went right out to Ohio and then Tennessee. And I found that, wow, we can cross borders and territory. Nobody knows us, but you open up and you kind of own that local community mm -hmm. and you win the best sub award, you know, voted by Reader's Choice Awards. Oh, wow. Uh, and then the Holy Grail. And then 91 hit, you know. Well, I was going to say, yeah. there is no path that is without stumbling blocks. Mm. It's not just stepping stones. Tell me about 1991. So I had maybe six employees in a 400 square foot office over one of the stores. And uh, we were just putting everything we had in back into the company, into marketing, into training, into working lunch rushes, then going up and working the office. And it was just nonstop. And we were probably up to about 35 stores or so. And then the banks were lending money to anyone, just handing the money over, no problem. And then it got shut down. The Northeast banks went down. Even a local bank in our area went out. So no one could borrow money. And we sort of flatlined. And I had to let you know the whole crew go, uh, but slowly brought them back. After about four months, the first one came back. And then Amazing how much pay, how much uh, how much of the bills you can pay when you don't have any payroll. You well, know? Peter, talk oh. about the trigger of that implosion. It's always economic in many cases, and and that's what people are dealing with today. And if we have business leaders who are small business people, which is what you used to be, mm -hmm. what did you do then that saved Jersey Mike's from the fate that we're seeing? thousands of small businesses endure and that is bankruptcy or just going out of business. Right, right. And it's just a, a tragedy. But um, 
the small businesses, the restaurants, a lot of them have pivoted mm -hmm. and gone to that. Let's do uh, outside dining. Let's do takeout. Let's carry out. And a lot of them have done that. And some have done even more business doing that than ever before. But there's so many that maybe couldn't or or didn't, you know, I, it's just um, a shame. So for me, mm -hmm. I had to, you know, go to work, you know, go visit all the stores, do all the marketing, do everything, you know, the chief cook and bottle washer, if you will. So, uh, but we rose out of it. And then we started uh, adding stores in North Carolina, probably not until like, like a good three, four years later. So, you know, when some people say they had an off day or off month, I said, well, I've had an off decade almost sometimes, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you just yeah. have to stay with it. I could have gone bankrupt, but I said, no way. And, and somehow persevered through it, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I, right? Well, people think that it's easy or they say he somehow got so many breaks. Yeah. You, you yeah. got your, your business chops broken, your legs yeah. broken, your, your brain was probably just overwhelmed at certain points where you thought, how am I going to do this? Is it true you had to fire your own brother during that time? Yeah, yeah, older brother John, the one that got me the job originally. So, oh. but, he's, but obviously he's with me and one of my chief consultants. Anything I'm doing in business, I always consult with him. And pretty smart guy, been around forever. So, you know, knows the business well. He came back, you know, within you know, a short amount of time. All right. Well, well, he was the one who told the original Jersey Mike's, you know, I don't know if my brother's that bright, but he can slice meat. So, That's you know, right. it, it kind of, right. it's even now. Uh, talk about control, controlling the quality that you demand. When yeah. you've got franchises, you can't be in 2000 different stores at once, making sure that they're doing things to your standards. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain it so that when I walk into the Jersey Mike's in Fort Lee, it's the same one at LAX airport? Yeah, that's the biggest challenge. Oh, you know about the one in LA, LAX airport, huh? All right. Peter, let me tell you, I hit it every time I'm right. heading back to the East Coast. But the problem is during COVID, they stopped, yeah. um, they right. stopped selling my favorite tuna sub. Yeah, yeah, we had to kind of- Yeah, I know. Yeah, bring it back. I'll be happy. Yeah, we'll bring it back. <laughs> so, so the thing is training. It's nonstop. And when they come into training, they go into um, individual stores and do their training. And it's about two and a half months that like three people have to go through. Um, it's pretty substantial and uh, all encompassing. And then the best part is they have to come back to Jersey for five days to get that culture, you know, and, and John Hughes heads the training and it's all about, you know, putting others first before yourself. It's all about pulling people along the culture of rising up together. And that's kind of what we're all about. And that's how you get and you recruit all of these young people. You know, they said in the 70s, you don't know these kids today. You can't find good help in the 80s and 90s. And that's what they're saying today. You don't understand. You can't find good people. Well, that's I don't take it. No, you got to always be recruiting. And they're attracted to companies that treat them with respect. You know, when I was 14, I went to work at Mike's and my voice mattered. And that's the kind of culture that it was. So how so? How how do you continue to bring that through the genetics of Jersey Mike's? What yeah. do you do differently when yeah. you walk into random Jersey Mike's? Yeah, just go in and go right behind the counter and the, the owner will be there. I'll walk right by him or her and go right behind the counter to so the kids start making some subs, ask them what they're doing this summer, how you, how you holding up, what's happening, kind of, you know, talk to them and then say, hey, you know, I started here 
when I was 14, you know, sprinkling and wrapping subs. What are you doing? And, you know, what do you want to achieve? And always tell them that people have a kind of certain view of them, what they're going to say about them. So work hard, you know, get a reputation for yourself. You know, the old model. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Who won't you allow to buy a franchise? What is a deal breaker? You meet people who are dying to open a Jersey Mike's and they think, oh, I could do this. Yeah. Well, first, obviously, they're all financially qualified. That's always they come in, they're financially qualified, but they have to fit our culture. And that's our culture of giving. Our mission statement is giving, you know, making a difference in someone's life. That's our mission statement. And we have a big day of giving in March. I'm sure you've heard of yep. uh, the last Wednesday in March, we raised almost 8 million last, last year. And, you know, next year, maybe over 9 million. It's all local charities all around the country. And all year we go new store openings. We go after a local charity. So hmm. a new person coming in, it's got to get that, that they try a product. You know, it's not so much, uh, oh gosh, how much money they have or this. It's whether they're going to wear the apron and care about raising up together, about pulling people along. They have that personality, that they have the energy, you know, that we're looking for. Like you, you have got the energy. We're going to get you. We're going to be sprinkling and wrapping. All right, we should, you got to promise me we'll do that in one day. I promise. I will train, but I, my peeps in Fort Lee, I can't compete with them. I'm in Edgewater. I got to tell you, these guys in Fort Lee, they are phenomenal. Yeah. How many do you own outright for the company? So we have about 75, but we're in and out of corporate stores, but it's mostly a franchise concept. That's our, that's our model. We like to coach, mentor, and be involved with the owners. So we have about 500 owners and the average is about three to four units but we have 200 people that have one unit. That's okay. all you need, it's just one store, one good store. So that's a, a tribute to our concept as well. You know, that one store and you can make a really good living. But it wasn't enough just to get to the point where you're doing amazingly, I won't say coasting. Coasting is a dirty word for real business people, right? But 
You recently decided to launch something even bigger that works with that, as I say, genetics of Jersey Mike's. And it goes back to that moment where Coach Rod Smith saw something in you and invested in your future. Mm. What are you doing today that reflects back to that? Mm. So it was um, last, we always kind of looked at key players and said, wow, let's try and get you to get involved and get some ownership in a store. But last October, November, and December, I went out nationwide and we talked about the retrofits, retrofitting all the stores with a new look. Mm-hmm. And everybody does at restaurants maybe every 10 years. We're doing this one now about seven or eight years in. Perfect timing. But I feel it's a tactical move for our company. And this is a lead into the Rod Smith, so bear with me. And um, we went out to the owners and we said, you know, you've got to invest in your stores. The same store sales will rise when you put money back in. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that part of your franchise agreement, you have to do it. They have to invest money and redo the store. They got to. And so we refaced it. New tables and chairs, new counters, new backline tile, gorgeous, a little bit more contemporary, a little bit more upscale, but still us. We have the black and white photos. Now, Fort Lee has not been done yet. So we'll invite you into a couple of stores nearby when they're done. Just so fly me up to Beverly Hills. I know the Beverly Hills okay. one has been okay. done. <laughs> we have a great owner, right, John Connor. So um, once you put the money in, we felt that it's going to raise up sales. We're going to pay it off in a four or five year period. It's a great tactical move for the company. So when I told all the owners, I, we went to 27 cities. There was about 250 people in every meeting. Mm. And uh, it was sort of the road show, the rock and roll tour, we call it. And the owners were in tears when they heard it. 75,000 a store. Some owners owned, you know, three or four stores. So that's, you know, $300,000. So they said, we're going to invest and we're going to open new stores. So the goodwill, the trust that comes in with your owners, I don't call them franchisees, I call them partners, owners. And no franchise company in the history has ever done that, as far as I know. And so it's a total of about 150 million. So the owners are in tears, everybody's all excited and fired up. And I said, okay, now, now that the owners are excited, I wanna announce something else. And I told my story about how I got started and then Coach Rod Smith gave me an opportunity, a shot. And I said, I wanna give you a shot. I said, not for one second did I ever think about buying that store when it was up for sale. How many of you here have ever thought about taking the next step. How long have you worked? Four years behind the counter, I'm managing. I'm overseeing two stores. How long have you worked? Three years. You know, and a lot of people, they have so much experience. That's who we want to go forward with. Similar to Tom Monahan, Domino's Pizza, mm-hmm. he raised up from within and he's on our advisory council. He's about 82 years old, an unbelievable guy and just so great to talk to. But uh, that's how he grew and that's how we're growing. So I announced anyone there, the company will sign the lease because they can't sign their own lease today because it's too much collateral landlords want. So I said, the company will sign the lease, put up all the money, about 400,000, and then they pay it back, but they will own the store hundred oh. percent. And then we give half the royalties for three years to the owner that lost their assistant manager or lost one of their workers. So it's a win-win for everybody. And they were in tears, you know, so we oh. had a very emotional <laughs> 20, 27 city tour. Um, so it was well received. The first one looks like we're going to open up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We have a couple in California. So we're open to get in the next year about 25 deals. We want 50 after that. We hope to be at about 100 deals a year or 
you know, 40 million, you know, a year. Peter, if you had to describe yourself when it comes to business, sometimes people would say, well, I'm sharp-elbowed. Well, I can be cutthroat. Well, I'm, I'm open and welcoming. How would you describe the characteristic that has made you a success today? Yeah, so it comes from watching in high school Bob Hoffman of Hoffman's Ice Cream, Jack Baker from the local Lobster Shanty restaurant. They gave unconditionally to the community, to the kids, and watching that and being a participant of it, and they volunteered to the first aid in small town. Um, as soon as I got into business, I said, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And you commit to the community. So that's what I'm about. What can we do? You're always looking for a need and trying to fill that need with people. And you see it in their eyes when you're at Starbucks or you're out somewhere, they come into the store, you're winning them over, and it's just an incredible feeling. You're always giving of yourself. And we always call it the power of the sub sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) What have you learned from operating in this pandemic? Yeah. So the first weekend, my head hit the pillow with everybody else saying, oh boy, you know, because we got hit like everybody else the first couple of weeks down maybe 40% or something like that. Everybody got crushed because the governors came on and said, we're shutting down. And what the people heard was, is we're shutting down. They didn't hear that there was exceptions. We were allowed to stay open and serve the public, first responders and, um, you know, senior citizen homes. And we just, families in need. It was incredible what we did. And we did a march to try and give away a million subs to all the needy around the country. Well, to date, we're almost at 4 million. You're kidding. Yeah. So, and we wrote uh, money enough to sponsor that million sub challenge and it just, the owners just took off and they wanted to do it. And they, it's just unbelievable. Like Boca Raton, it was the people called, they were looking for subs for about 30 or 40 people. How many do you have? 1500 people at the hospital. We fed the whole hospital and uh, you know, it's just things like that are just so exciting, gratifying. You know how that is when you give, you know, it just, feels so great. It feels great, but you're a businessman and you're probably at that moment watching. I've talked to millions of business people between March and today. And some of them said, Liz, my my heart dropped. I didn't know how I could handle this and how I would be able to stay in business. So giving is really great, Peter. But at some point, Mm -hmm. did you send out the word, guys, you got to keep your doors open People are yeah. depending on us, but we need to keep our doors open so that we stay alive. So here's our playbook one more time. This is exactly what we did. It first happened in that first week, we dropped the fees in half on the, on the marketing and the royalty. Hmm. So 5% down. So immediately I said, keep on to your cash. We wrote a letter to the landlord saying, hey, if you can help us out, we'd love not to pay our rent for three months. We'd love not to pay our mortgage for three months. We're not going anywhere, but this is what we're doing. So we coached them along with that. And then the payroll protection. I couldn't believe that the government was doing that. I was like, what? It was an incredible program for small businesses that took advantage of it. And we took everybody, we, Friday we found out about it, Sunday night we had a thousand people on the phone, on a webinar, taking them step-by-step step on what they had to do. Because they didn't really know. They had to get the 12 months payroll, average it out. So we taught and trained every single owner and everyone got funded, everyone. Wow. Of course, our company, they said you could get it. And I got to know about that. 
I don't think that sounds right. And it's fortunate we didn't take the money because some people did and it was like, whoa, yeah. what are you doing? That's yeah. not right. But they corrected that. An incredible program and it really helped a lot of small businesses like ours. And, um, you know, fortunately we were, you know, we kept open, mostly takeout by the curb. We put tables in front of the counters who were eight feet, 10 feet away from the people making the product. So it really worked out well for us. We were mostly all takeout from the beginning. So it really didn't matter that we lost the seating. So fortunately, right. you know, we did well, but boy, we took it and we ran with it and helping so many people. And I got to tell you one more thing. We, at night, I saw all the cars lined up for the food banks. And I was so touched by that. In the middle of the night, I got up and wrote a 30-second commercial. And we went on the air and said, we're going to Feeding America. We raised $2.2 million in a special weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So that was, what, 22 million meals. Um, and a great organization, a great lady that was the CEO. We chatted. And I think we're going back. We want to do it again, you know, before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. it is uh, a story weekend we're going to do it it is a story of eking out a living from day one learning as you went along not being afraid to take a dive where you didn't know how shallow or how deep the water was and we are so grateful for you to come on to everyone talks to liz and tell this story peter thank you so much thank you liz yeah i really appreciate it and i'm telling you Tuna subs, everyone, the best. <laughs> Darling, have you ever thought of expanding beyond that core sub sandwich? Well, you know, you ever watch the founder with Michael Keaton about McDonald's? They cut 85% of their menu. Right. You know, you got to keep it simple. You got to stay with your strength. And we're so diversified, though. Hot, cold subs. And it's just so much variety. We're good with what we have. Good to see you, yeah. Peter. Thank yeah. you Thank very, you. very much for joining us. Hope to see you in the shop. Well, I love the story, and we'll be watching Thanksgiving. Imagine that, 4 million subs given away to first responders and to all the people on the front lines. Thank you for all you and your whole team do. Peter Cancrow of Jersey Mike's. I love the name. It's so eye-catching and ear-catching, and for a Jersey resident. Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore, (laughs) right. Listen, Beach Haven. I I had a house or two that I rented in the Jersey Shore. Sorry. We love the story and we appreciate all of our listeners taking the time to glean inspiration from this. We hope that you tune in every week because we drop a new one. That's the term. We drop a new one every single week and each and every one of them have been my favorites. How's that for taking a real stand, Liz? Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you Monday through Friday on the Fox Business Network for the Claiming Countdown. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.